Good evening and welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sandsbury. Well, Thursday evening, third podcast in five days. Simon, I'm guessing you're going to be asking for overtime if we uh, if we do any more and uh, our final husting of the uh, 2022 season. Um, indeed it is. D- despite our best attempts at trying to schedule more in uh, to make it even more of a tighter uh, squeeze, um, this is indeed our last hustings of, of this year. So um, we have with us um, the candidates, uh, so four candidates for Nelson Ward. Um, so we are joined tonight by uh, Jason Fazakali from the Lib- De- Liberal Democrats, Amy Gwyther from Labour, Spencer Gardner from the Conservatives, and Duncan Robinson uh, from the Greens. Good evening, candidates. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, any we we missed out on? Um, so um, as normal, we sent out invitations to um, any candidates that we could find uh, contacts for. Um, on social media or any other any other way at all um, and um, any that are attached to any p- political parties um, we also reached out to uh, to political parties um, so um, we haven't had any responses from uh, from anybody else um, but basically the the door was open there um, and also we kind of shouted out ourselves on social media to say hey we'd like to do these things if you if you're interested please give us a shout um, but luckily we have four um, four of the candidates here this evening um, ready to um, ready to answer our questions, um, uh, so that their um, so their voters can hear what they've got to say. Okay, so, so for those rules, that haven't heard before, simple. Simon, do you just um, want to talk us that, through the rules? Um, and then each we'll of the candidates, um, we conducted a coin toss before uh, before the show went live. Um, so they will um, conduct an up to two minute opening speech um, at the start of the show. Um, then we have uh, we have some questions um, to go through um, that we will then um, put to each of the um, candidates in a particular order. Um, each of our candidates um, will have up to two minutes to answer each question. And then when all of the candidates have answered each question, They'll then have an option to use an up to 60 second rebuttal um, if there's anything they need to come back on of one of the uh, responses uh, from one of the other candidates. Um, And then we move on to the next question. Um, Once we've got through all of our questions, then all of the candidates will have an up to 60 second uh, closing speech that they can use. Um, And then that's um, then that's our hustings. Um, There we are. That's our simple rules. Marvellous. Thank you, Simon. Um, so, without any further ado, if Hi, we can yeah, go into you. the opening address. Uh, my name is Amy Quither. I'm standing Amy Nelson. To, uh, um, the reason the that I decided to stand um, is because I was working in the area at the time, so I already had familiarity with it, and I was working in social care, so I had some awareness of some of the issues facing people in, in the area. And um, I grew up somewhere that is very similar to Buckland and then some of the nearer areas, Stamshaw and um, North End. And I just felt like when I started speaking to people on the doorsteps, which I actually started back in about December going out and canvassing, but I was doing it in different wards to support my colleagues. Um, I was hearing similar kinds of problems coming up that I recognised to ones that I'd had. And then as a, as a youngster and growing up in the area that I did in London. And then I... Um, 
I found that from around about late mid to late February, I started canvassing regularly and talking to people um, through Buckland and heading up um, the heading up the ward. And I just thought, actually, this really is the right place for me to be. Um, people were talking about problems um, going on in their neighbourhoods, um, concerns that um, they had with things that didn't seem to be being resolved. And also they would express things that were going really well already, like with uh, that the council were doing. And I just feel that my kind of background experience working in mental health, education and social care uh, means that I spent 20 years working kind of at ground level with people in their communities um, and communities very much like the Nelson one, which is quite varied. And I think I'd be able to relate to people really well. I've taken literally tens, if not hundreds of hours over the last few months trying to talk to many, as many people as possible. And I think have the empathy to try and tap into what it is people need and to bring them together. And um, I also tend to think quite long term and not an immediate make something pretty kind of person. If there's a problem, I want to look long term what that's going to look like in 20 or 30 years. Thank you, Simon and Ian. Uh, good evening, everybody. And so, my Spencer, could I invite you Gardner. to make your opening um, address, please? I live and work in Portsmouth, and I'm a solicitor. I started campaigning in the ward in 2019 to support Penny Morden MP. During that time, I've been actively involved in lots of community matters, uh, dealing with littering and fly tipping and getting areas cleared in response to residents' complaints, assisting residents in Wilson Road with long-term flooding issues and dealing with southern water on their behalf, tackling antisocial behaviour issues across the ward, and I'm currently involved with Hampshire Police following up on a number of reports about drug dealing hotspots within the ward, and have been working with community wardens regarding antisocial behaviour, I've been busy, uh, along with other Conservative colleagues, actively opposing bad HMO developments, which I know we will be visiting um, in further detail later on. Um, and I've been dealing with uh, lots of residents' queries, um, already dealing with a range of housing and benefits-related issues. Um, as the representative for Nelson Ward, I would be active and visible across the ward and in close contact with local residents, looking to help them where I can with their issues. Perfect, thank you, Spencer. And uh, can I invite uh, Jason? I don't think we've acknowledged the fact that yeah, you are the yeah, current sitting councillor. Can I invite you to make your opening address, please? Uh, yeah, hi, good evening, everybody. Um, I've been fortunate enough to represent Nelson now for 23 years out of the last 27. And I was first elected back in 1995 and then lost to UKIP in 2014. Um, it's a varied role being a councillor, there's a lot to it. Um, people just tend to think you go to meetings and such like, but obviously the bread and butter of what you do is to represent residents within your ward. Um, a lot's changed since 95 in regards to the council, but in regard to the issues that affect local people, um, they're very much the same. Um, fly tipping, uh, housing needs, antisocial behaviour, dog fouling, you know, the run, of the run of the mill stuff that we tend to see across the city or whichever ward that, that you're in. 
Um, as I say, I haven't represented Cat for Nelson for 23 years. Um, I think I'm fairly familiar with the way that local authorities operate, where you need to turn to if a resident brings an issue to you. Um, so, you know, um, that's what we do as councillors. We're there to represent the people. So that's exactly what we should be doing. Um, I've enjoyed it, had its ups and downs over the 20 odd years, but you know, it's a, it's a role I appreciate to do. Um, I'd like to continue doing it. So that's the reason why I'm standing here again this year. Thank you very much. Hi, good evening. Thank you, Jason. Hi, good evening. My name and is Duncan Robinson. I have been I a Portsmouth resident since 2007 address, when I first moved here with Royal Navy. Um, when I left the Navy, I started working in schools and have seen so many issues around so many things. Um, why green? Because we want to build a better community for Portsmouth as a whole. Um, I want to see a better future for my two young children. And I've spoken to parents, other parents, about issues they seem to have regarding many different things, including pretty much everything everybody's mentioned so far. Um, thank you. Okay, so our first question is, okay. um, is we're so asking we're each of our, our candidates to tell us why they are standing in Nelson. Um, and that question first uh, goes to Jason, please. Okay, I kind of covered that really in my, in my opening introduction to you. Um, it's, it's, I mean, I was born in Portsmouth too. I've lived here all my life, apart from a couple of stints when I've been away through forces and such like. Um, but it's a, it's a, a, a massive city. Um, it's, it's, it can, in geographical terms, it's obviously very small, five miles from top to bottom. Um, but it, there's a lot going on in the city and there's a lot we need to do to tackle the issues that we've got um, and it's not an easy task there's so many things that affect people's daily lives um, i think being a councillor gives certainly me and my colleagues the opportunity to progress that further i think you know difficulties people face you get exasperated calls from residents saying i can't get through to the council lack of response and such like um that shouldn't be the case but clearly that happens and the ability as a councillor you find you you can certainly progress that um, so, you know, it's, it's, as I said, it has its ups and downs, um, not all of it's plain sailing, sometimes when you're trudging the streets, uh, you know, on a, a cold winter's evening, wet through trying to deliver these and updates to people, you sometimes question, you question the reasons why you're doing it sometimes, but ultimately it's, it's, it's for the greater good, as they say, so, you know, I just hope I can continue doing that for people, and that's the reason why I'm really standing, to continue what I've done for the last 20 odd years. Thank you very much. Uh, Jason, okay, so the same question, uh, please, to Amy. Hi, um, I really did exactly the same thing in my introduction and already sort of stated why I'm standing. Um, it was because um, I was working in the area at the time and um, I have a, a, some connection with Stamshaw Junior. Um, the children at school have been answering some questions about... Um, running as a candidate and politics as well. And I'd like to work more in the schools there. When I consider some of the issues going on socially, a lot of these kinds of issues can be met quite early on. And so, um, yeah, I'm basically standing in the area because I feel an affinity to it. I've worked there, I've canvassed there for some time, and I think I would be a good candidate to run there. Thank you very much, um, Amy. And the same question, please, to Duncan. Hi, uh, yeah, as I've mentioned, I'm um, a parent to two young children. When my 
children, well, to give a bit of background, a couple of years ago, my now four-year-old was blue-lighted four times to A&E with breathing problems exacerbated by air pollution. One of the scariest things I've ever seen as a parent is my child not being able to breathe. I want to make that difference for children and for everybody in the area. One of the biggest issues we seem to have in Portsmouth is our air pollution. And I said, it scared me. And I thought, I've got to do something. I've got to be stand up and be seen. I want to make that difference to everybody in the area for whatever needs they have. There is so much deprivation in the area. So many people need so many things. And as a green, all I can do is try and help and try and make that difference for people. Thank you very much, uh, Duncan. Um, and uh, lastly, to um, to Jace, um, sorry, to Spencer, please. Sorry. So I've got quite a special um, connection to the ward. Um, I've got lots of close friends and family in the ward, uh, and I've been active um, with community work there for a number of years. Um, I know the area well, um, and I think that my particular skill set can help the communities that make up. Um, the ward from Stamshaw to Tipna to North End and Buckland. Each community is um, unique and got its own characteristics, but there's also similar issues that um, are pervasive um, across the, the wards and are impacting on residents, like antisocial behaviour, fly tipping, social housing problems uh, and parking. I get a real buzz from helping the community here and that's what uh, motivates me. Um, I'm hoping that I will be successful come the 5th of May um, to help me continue that work even further. Thank you very much, um, Spencer. Um, just a check, just in case anybody does, would any candidate like to use their rebuttal time in this question? Okay, no problem, didn't think so. Um, Ian? Yeah, so if we look specifically at the Nelson Ward, um, Again, when we look at some of the, the, the wards in the council, um, some are obvious, like Cosham, where Simon and I are based. But I guess many people wouldn't, uh, might not understand what, what Nelson Ward covers. So just to give us some insight, what do you see as the key issues in the Nelson Ward? And can I ask that question first to Spencer, please? So the issues um, are definitely um, parking antisocial behaviour across the board, um, HMOs and complaints about HMOs and the pressure they're putting on uh, local neighbourhoods in certain areas of the ward um, and local neighbourhood crime. Um, these issues have a huge impact on people's quality of life um, and out on the doorsteps, I am finding that there is a real frustration that people feel they're working hard and paying council tax. Um, but these issues aren't being effectively tackled. Other issues people tell me about are access and council services, such as housing and related benefits, services and helps. And sometimes the service people uh, receive from the council isn't consistent with them being bounced around um, departments and pushed from pillar to post. Um, I've stepped in a number of occasions to, to help with this, but that is certainly an aspect that needs to be improved upon. Some residents have also fed back to me about ongoing flooding issues, particularly about um, the Wilson Road area um, where raw sewage is being brought up into their properties. Um, they've been pushed between uh, the council and water companies 
um, often feeling that one's blaming the other, but they're not really getting anywhere. Um, and I'm keen to find a, a solution um, for the residents in that area uh, and take ownership of that issue. I regularly speak with the local policing teams about areas of concern in the ward. Um, nobody should feel unsafe being out and about in the ward. And it's particularly worrying that lots of residents avoid certain areas such as parks um, because they're worried about drug dealing and the behaviour that's taking place there. Um, the Conservative Budget Amendment did include provision for CCTV and lighting, which would have made a, a real difference to the area. But disappointingly, um, that was voted down by the uh, Lib Dems and Labour. Um, and something else that I am hearing on a regular basis as well, um, and that's time. across the ward in all areas um, on the doorstep, is that they feel that uh, their hard-earned money is being funneled into South Sea and the other safe seats um, in the south of the city um, by the Lib Dems. And communities that are perhaps in more need such of those seem to be missing out. And it's a real common issue and the best way I would use to describe in terms of how the residents um, explain it to me is that they feel um, forgotten about. And that is something that um, I will be working hard um, to rectify. Thank you, Spencer. And Sorry, just to explain, Ian, I, um, unfortunately, I'd left myself on mute, so couldn't um, let Spencer know that you'd actually overrun a bit. So my apologies, Spencer, for not giving you any um, any warning, and that's why um, that overrun. So my apologies. No problem at all. So um, in terms of the key issues facing uh, the ward, Amy, could you give us your perspective, please? Yes, thank you. Um, definitely some of the things that uh, Spencer's touched on, um, antisocial behaviour is one that comes up regularly alongside the parking. Um, the parking is kind of a, long, a longer term issue that's affecting everyone. Um, but with the antisocial behaviour, um, there are key areas that I hear people talking about it quite a lot. So that's in Buckland. And it's not necessarily that it's always happening within Buckland, but areas sort of nearby that are really concerning them. And I know that um, Labour have... Um, work to put more funding into wardens and working with them and oh not sorry uh, to champion uh, funding wardens and I think regarding up towards the north as well um, recently there's been a lot of um, conversations in I think it's a Stamshaw and Tipner action group and also possibly in the north end um, group lots of antisocial behaviour happening that's really worrying people. And we do have fantastic things going on in that ward, lots of youth provisions like Stamshaw Youth. And um, further down, more the Buckland area, we've got um, Portsea Youth Clubs as well. But this seems to be really concerning people. And I think when I talked to them, I can remember going along a whole road and people were saying, you know, I don't feel safe. This isn't the community I remember before. And yet lots of people are saying that in an area, which means that you're living in an area with great people. And I'd really like to try and do more things to bring people together to make them feel safer. Um, I am aware that um, parking is an ongoing issue. And I kind of have a question about this because a lot of people told me that they'd received a council survey asking their opinions, but they didn't know what the upshot of that was. And actually, I'm not clear either. So I would want to work to maybe try and produce a survey that 
is um, it's more clear to people what exactly can be done and what it is that they want. But I'd also be curious to know whether the incumbent um, councillor can shed light on that, um, that survey. Um, I also have concerns regarding poverty um, because I've seen a lot of that when I've talked to people in really desperate situations. And that is something that sits on my heart, has affected me, but is also something that the Labour Party really want to work um, with people on to just make living standards a lot more bearable. Thank, thank you. And so um, finally, Jason, can you give us your insights into what the key issues are in Nelson? Yeah, thanks. I mean, Amy, Amy came and asked me sort of a question through that. I don't know whether you wanted to respond to that in, in sort of rebuttal time or include it into what I'm going to say now, but I'm happy to use either, basically. Um, do you want to... Um, do it, it, rather than use your time for your response, if there's a, a, a if that, I think it's probably fair, Ian, rather than um, Jason. So if you want to yep. take some time to explain the, or yep. you know whatever the process explanation is to that, and then then we'll come to actually your answer to the question, if that helps. I think that's better for the debate. Yeah, sure. Yeah, fine. I think what Amy's referring to is um, a survey that was conducted in Stampshire and Titna. Basically, there is already a residence parking zone in the southern part of Stampshaw. We surveyed, oh, I think back in about 2012, if our memory serves me correctly, um, South Stampshaw wanted it, North Stampshaw at the time didn't want it, including Tipner. Um, since that time, obviously 10, 12 years down the line, um, pressures of vehicles and parking has grown, displacement, because you get displacement when you introduce a residence parking scheme, um, kicks into effect. So people notice it. So we had representations from people on exactly the same thing that Amy's um, heard from them. And we put out an informal survey via the council just to get people's opinions on whether they would support a formal consultation on residence parking. That's come back and that's been um, supported. So there will be a formal consultation to residents in Stampshaw and Tipner. At the moment, per the processes in place, so we can't conduct any formal surveys as such, but yeah, just to reassure Amy, any residents that are listening, there will be one and it will take place obviously once the elections are finished. So regardless of who's in, who's, uh, the candidate is or the, the sitting council at that point, the survey will still take place. Okay, I hope that clarifies that one. Thanks. And if you want me now to come back on the original question, what are the key issues facing the war? Yes, please. Um, well, they're very much the same as other issues that are, that are faced, key factors that are facing other areas across the city. I mean, Portsmouth, as I said earlier, is very condensed. So the problems that um, people encounter in, in Stampshaw, North End, Buckland, etc., are often mirrors, you know, Cosham, Central South, the other walls across the city. I mean, a key issue clearly is Tipton West. We have a question on that later on. But I think what people find the frustration is when they come home and they're faced on a daily basis with a range of things, that could be difficulty in trying to find a place to park, um, finding rubbish dumped by people that can't give a damn while they leave it, juvenile nuisance and intimidation as has been touched on already, um, difficulty in securing accommodation. Um, all these things affect people on a daily basis. So when you come back from your daily job, wherever that may be, whatever you've been doing during the day, I mean, you're looking forward to some kind of relaxation uh, within your own home. Um, and unfortunately that doesn't always happen. So a local authority is there along with the councils that are elected to serve it, basically to step in and be on hand and when residents basically ask you for assistance. So that's kind of in a nutshell what I say the key issues are. 
Thank you, Jason. So do any candidates wish to take advantage of their one minute? Ian remarkable? Duncan hasn't had a chance to answer that question yet. No. Has he not? Um, are you sure? Yes. Um, I'll take that as a yes. Yeah, no, no. In which case, Duncan, my huge apologies. Um, I need to check my spreadsheet, but please, can you uh, give us your insight into the key issues for Nelson? Sure. Um, biggest key issues in the area seem to be, again, parking, antisocial behaviour, fly tipping, and again, air quality. Um, many of these seem to go hand in hand, air quality and parking, if they can be tackled in such a way that people are able to cycle safer or access public transport to get to where they need to go, maybe that would alleviate parking a little bit. Um, Anti-social behaviour, um, again, a big one, it, it's tackling the underlying need that we need to do, as well as, again, tackle the problems that antisocial behaviour causes. Um, so with fly tipping, I know there's been a lot of issues recently, especially in like the North End area with councillors having to work very hard to get it sorted out, which I know they have done. Um, so there we go. <laughs> Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you, Duncan. Again, my apologies for messing up on the uh, arrangements. So does anybody wish to use their one minute rebuttal? No, they're all clear. Marvellous, in which case I shall hand you on to Simon and uh, our next question. Thank you very much, Ian. Um, okay, so our next question is, so with a massive demand for housing behind the rising existence of HMOs, are they meeting a clear need for housing where no other affordable alternatives exist? Or another, just another pressure on local services, parking and the cohesion of neighbourhoods? And what's your solution? Um, and I'd like to ask that question first, please, to Duncan. Hi, yeah. Um, HMOs do pose a slight problem where lots of people are living in a small area, which then puts pressure on parking. Um, there are approximately a thousand empty properties in Portsmouth that have been empty for six months or more. Those really need to be brought back into, into use, which may help alleviate some of the problems with, with HMS. Um, with going back to public transport, if we can get that right, we might be able to alleviate some of the problems with parking where public transport then becomes a, a help to it and useful to people rather than not being of any use. Um, I've noticed that over time, the public transport times in Portsmouth have increased, which can be a problem, which makes it less of a less of an option for people. Um, certainly with a family driving and using a car is cheaper using public transport, so that needs to be, be cheaper as well. So again, many issues go hand in hand. If we can have enough social housing, that might alleviate the need for HMOs, freeing up houses for family houses. Okay, and um, the same question, please, uh, to Jason. Yeah, I mean, in a nutshell, I'd say the answer to the question is both. I mean, there is limited council and housing association stock out there, um, and individuals that apply for it obviously have to go through a criteria and assessment, um, and that results some people in, in unfortunately, at a lengthy wait. Um, private landlords uh, are perfectly entitled to offer up um, HMOs as they say as they see fit, uh, provided they meet with um, planning uh, legislation. 
um, then they can go ahead and open them and open them one up and, and rent them out. Um, and of course, this that can this can lead to pressures um, on local services. Difficulty as well is is how responsible a landlord is. And a lot of the casework that we get, um, fortunately in the north, I'd say we don't suffer to the same degree that some of the wards in the south do. Um, but you know, it does cause cause problems to people. And if you have a landlord that's not responsible, then unfortunately that's when the problems start to occur. Um, I mean, we've got a significant student population in the city, again, primarily in the south rather than the north. Um, but we're, we're faced with national targets on our housing. Um, 17,000 new homes we were set, um, basically, in, in our current plan, which I don't think is feasible, and we'll come on to that later on. Um, and some people literally can't afford house prices. I mean, I'm a tenant myself. Um, I couldn't afford to buy a property simply on my rent. Um, would be is far more expensive than it would be for a mortgage, but that's the reality. So some people have no choice but to rent, uh, and, and HMOs certainly fill a market to some degree. Um, and you look at this, how much the city's grown in, in, in numbers of population in the last 10 years, and plus an increase over 30,000 plus people coming in. So it is a very difficult subject to tackle. Um, 10 seconds. I'm sorry, I've, come to, I've overgone, but yeah, it, it, it needs close to no, ten seconds. Yeah, ten seconds left. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Sorry. Sorry. You, if you want to, if you just want to draw you, no, just draw your comment to a close. That's fine. Sorry, I interrupted okay. you. Okay. I'd, I'd, I'd virtually finish anyway. Just to say, it is a difficult issue to resolve, and I think cross-party working on that certainly is a bonus. So collectively amongst us, regardless of our political parties, then you know, by working together, certainly helps it. But yeah, HMOs certainly can be problematic. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. Sorry for throwing you off your um off your flow there. Um, right. Okay. So the same uh, same question, please, to Spencer. Thank you. Um, having heard um, Jason's response there, um, and from some of the conversations I've been having um, with local residents, I think they'll be a bit disappointed, really, um, in um, that response. Um, certainly not against HMO development, um, but we are very strongly against um, bad. HMO development, um, which unfortunately um, there does seem um, to be um, a lot of, um, with it being unmanaged um, and getting through um, on the basis of policy loopholes and with little in the way of future accountability. Um, local services are stretched, um, the roads are full of cars, um, there's residents um, in one road in the ward that tell me that um, HMO a uh, single property has got seven cars um, and that's just placing um, pressure on top of um, pressure um, in terms of parking. Um, there's a big impact on community cohesion um, and actually uh, the vast number of HMOs are actually starting to change the face of uh, some neighbourhoods in the ward um, where you once had family homes are now being um, replaced um, with uh, multiple occupancy. Um, many of these properties tend um, to be inhabited by um, younger people. Um, so there's also additional pressures um, in terms of noise uh, and other issues that can be caused by some, um, certainly not all. Um, really pleased at following calls from um, councillors, uh, Dan Weems um, and Ben Swan, who have been really strong on this issue. Um, the council are having a look um, again at the HMO policy, and then that is is much needed. It's just a shame it's taken so long to get to that point. 
Thank you very much, Spencer. Okay, and then the um, the same question, please, to Amy. Hi, um, Rich Amos. Um, just last night, I was out talking to somebody, and I was with Councillor Cal Corkery, um, who's worked quite hard in the planning area regarding HMOs. And I know that there has been a lot of cross-party teamwork among councillors to make sure that um, certainly the larger HMOs have to pass stringent um, criteria um, in regards to space and that there can be no more than 10% of homes within a 50 metre radius that are an HMO. And I think this is why people are starting to see the HMOs pop up, but there is also a restriction on how many there can be. And I think the fear sometimes when I talk to people in communities is that they'll just be absolutely everywhere and there's there's no control. And I think the second part of what Labour have been trying to push for in local council, and I think would probably be agreed among other councillors, is that there are smaller HMOs which aren't so well regulated. They don't go through the twice um, the process of going through the planning officers and then being licensed. And as um, coming from the Labour perspective, we would be really strict on these HMOs that are smaller, making sure they have to go through that second process, that the space is adequate there, that people aren't just being shoehorned into inadequate properties. Um, and it, it is a difficult question because you've got a situation where you have some of these HMOs creating um, space which might take pressure off the amount of development that was desired in Titna and other areas, um, but at the same time, puts more pressure on the parking in an area. And I think that's where the consultation that the local council have done is gonna be really valuable. And one yeah, thing I would say about HMOs also is that this system where they're only allowed a certain amount, I think 10% within a 50 meter radius. Um, Judith, one of the councillors in the South told me that they practically get no HMO requests now for development in St Thomas's because this has been upheld. The council have been really strong on making sure that um, HMOs aren't just everywhere, but they stick to this strict limit of space. Thank you, Amy. Um, anybody want to come back with any rebuttals um, to those responses at all? Um, yeah, I'd like to, please. Okay. Um, Spencer? Um, uh, 60 second rebuttal just to thank you just to pick up on the 17,000 um, figure that was raised um, by Jason it's a shame there's been such delays um, with the local plan um, and there's been clear indications given that if the Lib Dems were to go back and speak to central government that figure could be looked at again but for whatever reason there does seem to be reluctance on their part to do that okay Thank you very much, um, Spencer. Um, anyone else want to take up their rebuttal on that question? Yeah, can I just come back? Is it okay? Um, yeah, of course. Um, Jason, your 60-second rebuttal? Just in, re just in regard to HMOs, that's what originally the question was. Um, Spencer saying that residents will be disappointed to hear what I've got to say. I mean, I'm sure residents will be disappointed when they're confronted with um, problematic HMOs. The difficulty is... The council obviously has to adhere to legislation and to law. Um, while there are current criteria for HMOs, you know, we have to abide by those. If we find an illegal HMO, then yes, we can take action. But the difficulty is, one, if, it, if it qualifies and goes through a process and a landlord is allowed to operate an HMO, there's really little apart from policing that we can actually do. A lot of the cases, yeah, you have to respond to problems that subsequently occur. 
but at the actual stage when it goes through there's very little you can actually do if it meets the criteria that it, it's required to so i'm not saying that hmos aren't a problem in terms of those as a, as a counselor i've had plenty of experience of them being problems um but we are bound by what we can and cannot do so the issue about the seventeen thousand homes these are targets that come to us by national government. I don't think we are happy with them. We must said we're happy with 17,000 homes. It's far too many. And um, the difficulty is, is trying to come back with something that's not going to allow the government just to impose figures on us. So um, that's my response. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Jason. Um, right. Okay. So thank you very much. Um, any other rebuttals on that one at all from either Amy or Duncan? Lovely. Thank you. Ian. Yeah, more opportunities to discuss housing. Um, obviously, Tipner West was was hailed as the, the you know the development that was really going to contribute to that housing target with three and a half thousand dwellings being built on there. It's now known as Lennox Point. It appears that the appetite for that development is is declining. Um, so we'd like to know the candidate's perspective on um, should it be built on, um, and and if not there then where? And can I ask that first to Amy, please? Hi. Um, um, as it stands, um, that area, to my understanding, is still um, planned to be um, built on. However, I know that the Labour Council has pushed really hard to reduce um, the amount. So I think it's no longer three and a half thousand. I can be corrected if I'm wrong. I don't know absolutely everything. Um, and it's going to be significantly less. Um, however, um, and the reason that the councillors, the Labour councillors pushed hard for that and wanted to work with other councillors who felt the same was because it's such an area of natural beauty. Um, it helps us resolve other issues such as um, maintaining biodiversity, which helps us deal with pollu pollution and other concerns. It's also good for us to um, really protect um, the area that's below the, um, the, I can't think what it's called, the um, firing range. Um, I went on a walk recently um, with David Allwright from Hampshire Wildlife Trust, Hampshire and Isle of Wight Wildlife Trust, and he sort of explained how important it was to protect this point. I think this more than anything is what really um, concerns a lot of residents that I talk to. Um, a Labour have fought to say that they really want to stand by that as well and make sure that that area is protected because when you set a precedent that it's okay to build on a protected area then it starts making potentially land across the country up for grabs as well that shouldn't be um there is still plan for development there however there have been um opportunities for residents to go and look at those plans and also the um rspb and the hampshire and isle white um trust have asked people to um look at a survey that they're doing um and to and to say exactly how they feel what they think should be going on in that area what should be developed how it should work with nature and i think if things were built elsewhere the plan would be that we would look more centrally where there are already high rises and look to just make them a little bit higher so we're still meeting that need for housing but in an area where we already have a high rise, taking the pressure off Titner West. Thank you, Amy. Can I ask the same question to Duncan? Um, Lennox Point, Titner West, should it be built on? Um, and if not, where? Hi. Um, 
Hi, yeah, I've actually been working with Hampshire Isle of Wight Wildlife Trust and a group of residents on Shoe. I'll um, echo what Amy said. It is the, the idea of Lennox Point was to build on legally protected land, which is a complete no-no. It is stupendous that it would open such a door for developers countrywide. Um, the legislation that was going to be used would have was being used for um, high-speed rail links just for housing. Um, I know there's been a new um, idea put up, but it still builds on legally protected land. Hampshire of White Wildlife Trust have put up an ideal, what should be there that does not build on this land. Um, the problem with the firing range is that it's used by Brent Geese as a secondary, secondary source of food, which muddies the matters a little bit. I know ideally that should still be protected. Um, what else could we build? Think about the Northern Quarter. Um, that could be an amazing opportunity to build in another very brownfield site. Um, if you look around North End as well, the abandoned buildings, which are a source of antisocial behaviour, maybe they could be brought into um, local control and developed for social housing, which then also may, may help with the antisocial behaviour. For example, um, so again, like the Isle of Wight have tried challenging the the number of houses built, we perhaps should be doing the same or looking at, at doing that. Just saying, this is too for an already crowded city. It's putting too much burden on our. So you have ten seconds left. Sorry, I've interrupted you, Duncan. Did you want to finish up your remark? Sorry, to try and sort that out. Okay, yeah, sorry, he's he's messaged in the chat that he's going to leave his remarks there. Um, right, okay. Perfect. So the uh, same question, Lennox Point, Tipner West, should we be building on it? And can I ask that question to Spencer, please? So um, Duncan touched upon there um, the proposals that have been um, put forward by Hampshire and Isle of Wight Wildlife Trust, I think their preference is that um, the site is, is left alone. Um, but what they have suggested is if the uh, development was to go ahead, um, it could be done more sensitively and they've set out a proposal for how that could take place. And we do need affordable homes and social housing. So I am broadly supportive of um, development. Um, it's vital that it's the right sort of development and also that it's supported by the right infrastructures, uh, GPs, uh, an adequate road and, and an adequate and an adequate road system. Um, what isn't acceptable is um, the pie in the sky proposals that had been uh, rammed through, and I think something like twenty million pounds of taxpayers' money um, has been spent on the site, um, and there's nothing to, to show for it. The super super peninsula. Um, idea um, was mad and completely balmy to suggest that um, protected land on the harbour um, should be built on. Um, so I am broadly supportive of development in that area, but it needs to be um, the right type of um, development. Perfect. Thank you, sir. And on to finally for that question. Jason, can you give us your perspective, please? Yeah, thanks. I mean, I viewers this evening are familiar with um, Tipner. The area that we're talking about is the former Greyhound Stadium industrial land that you've got over there. 
um, and there's been various proposals going on for this for, for donkey's years. Before I became a councillor in 95, this was an issue, um, and it's still an issue. Here we are in 2022. I mean, I've seen, I've lost track, to be honest, of the number of meetings that I've been to over the years, the number of proposals that I've seen. And to be honest, people, residents are quite rightly cynical. The latest scheme we've got is Vivid. Whether that has any more success, we'll have to see. Time will tell on that one. Um, personally, would I like to see it built on? No, actually, I wouldn't. I'd like it to be sort of preserved. I mean, well, I say preserved. I'd like it to be made of some kind of green area, um, allowing accessibility, green spaces, precious few of that, um, that in the city as it stands at the moment. But the difficulty is, is that we are required to produce housing. We are a local authority and we are um, told we have to create additional uh, additional homes for people to live in and that's where it comes to the crunch there was a proposal for three and a half thousand at this particular site um plans weren't agreed um at the moment i don't know what the outcome will be on it we'll have to see um the problem you've got is if we don't build where do we build in the city if we don't build at tipner um where do we go to Cosham? do we go to more high rises in lamport summers town that's the problem Portsmouth the most condensed city in the UK and we just don't have a finite we don't have an infinite amount of space um so it's 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 again like so many of these questions it's a difficult one to tackle um we have to go into dialogue um and I'm glad that other candidates here have been speaking to other organizations that have got interest in it um but ultimately it needs to come down to consultation with local residents they've had the opportunity to do that in regards to to tipner seeing the proposals and the later set of proposals um but yeah seventeen thousand new homes let me make it clear from perspective of myself and my own group and so it seemed other other parties across the council is is simply not a feasible figure it's too many thank you jason so i'd like to invite are there any candidates who would like to um like to use their rebuttal time um, I would, if I may, please. Go ahead. Um, just to repeat my earlier comments, really, um, it's interesting that that 17,000 um, figure that has come up again, and I don't think that should be used um, as a distraction um, to what was really a poor proposal. Um, I wasn't quite clear um, from Jason's response at the time, did he support or did he object to um the proposal that was put forward by the, the Lib Dems at the time for the three and a half thousand houses um and the land uh, reclamation on a protected site jason would you like to come back on that yes i gave you my personal feelings on it uh, but my personal my personal feelings i didn't win the argument when we discussed it so i took and went along with the decision of my group um and again speaking to residents feelings are mixed as you'd expect uh, don't know uh, yep sorry i don't know what happened there okay. sorry jason carry on Is that somebody cutting me off there? all right okay sorry um so yeah so um there's mixed feelings towards it particularly the people that live in the immediate area that like to be affected by it so um in answer to spencer's question i hope i've answered it there personally i'd like it not to be developed but realistically um it's going to be developed at some point um, and we have to accommodate new homes. So, you know, that's a site of land that's been identified for, for building. And so it's just a case of actually getting into agreed um, agreement what actually can go in place there. And yeah, the proposals were thrown out at full council. So we're looking at what we can do from now. Thank you. So 
Either Amy or Duncan, would you like to come in there at all? This could be an opportunity for like a a very good vision for green housing. Um, it consensus to be to have a smaller development there than so many houses. Um, would have to be agreed, and a green lead might be away. We could be a ground breaking community in the area based on green housing, for example. Thank you, Duncan. Oh, well, you feel you've missed out, Amy. So I'll give you one last chance. Oh, am I on? Yeah, I was actually, you just um, jogged my memory, Duncan, when you said that. I do remember when I went on the um, Wildlife Trust walk. That was something that um, David Orrick was talking about a lot, just saying we'd really like people to give their opinion about how they want this to look and what their vision is, because potentially there's so much scope for local input to say how these properties can be greener, um, how they can somehow kind of blend in with the wildlife that's already there. Um, a lot of people that I was listening to who were just talking, and they were, I guess, mostly local residents, were talking about whether there were opportunities for educational things to be there as well. So there is this bridge between um, there being um, a development there, but also an appreciation of what's been taken to do that and also the greenery and the nature and the ecosystems there um, and I think also a big thing about this development that Labour is really keen on is making sure that we have really good links this time um, getting backwards and forwards um, sort of back into um, Stamshaw and the main roads as well so there are good cycle paths. And that's time on that one so thank Sorry. you all for, for answering that very comprehensively and I will now throw to Simon. Okay, lovely. Thank you very much. So our uh, next question um, is, um, so the North End shopping area has seen many shops uh, come and go over the last couple of decades. Um, what should be done to revitalise shopping centres like North End for the 21st century? And I'd like to put that question first, please, to Spencer. Thank you. So shopping's changed massively over the past um, 20 years um, and even more so over the past couple of years with the COVID pandemic. Um, online retailers are, are now king. Um, visiting the high street is now no longer essential. Um, so council and businesses um, need to find ways of uh, attracting consumers. Um, residents, particularly older residents, um, have raised concerns with me about the, the lack of banking facilities um, in North End and the, the need to, to travel um, out of the area to access that. Um, it's a shame um, that the current administration um, missed a real trick a couple of years ago um, when they made their bid um, for the government's future high street fund. Um, £7 million was eventually granted, but unfortunately, um, they decided to concentrate on two high street areas in the south of the city rather than the north. Um, I know Penny Morden MP challenged the Lib Dems um, on that um, at the time, um, but I think that was a real lost opportunity there. Um, it's not all doom and gloom um, as there is a move towards uh, more leisure and social activities um, with coffee shops. Uh, I'm personally a particular fan of the escape room uh, on London Road um, exciting escapes. Um, so uh, there are some positives there. 
Um, but to be successful, that area is going to need to be a place where people want to go. Um, and at the moment, there are issues with graffiti um, and, and littering. And to, to attract people into that area, it's going to need to look its best. Um, so I'd certainly be working towards um, looking to get on top of those issues. Thank you, Spencer. Um, and that same question, please, to Jason. Yeah, thanks. Um, I mean, the difficulty that we've got is the change in people's habits towards shopping. Um, there, there are a number of factors to it, and, and Spencer's touched on some of those already. I don't wish to duplicate. Um, but if you look at the increase in online sales, that was exacerbated to some degree by the pandemic that's dragged on, that we're now sort of gradually emerging from. Um, but smaller shopping centres, you know, not just in Portsmouth, but in cities across the UK, towns across the UK, are suffering there's no there's no doubt to that um you, you've got to look at let's say the pandemic you look at austerity cuts you look at rises in living costs and uh, provision to, to businesses there and fuel costs uh, transport costs i mean they all take their tolls and um you know we, we, we've seen that in north end that it, it's true to say it's probably been in decline for, for a number of years um, the traders associations used to be fairly vibrant now I've seen them disappear over the years um, and so we do we, we, we can try and do things as a local authority clearly um, we're limited in what we can do um, but we under myself and my colleagues undertook a um, tour around North End towards the latter part of last year looking at measures that we can bring in and if there are going to be some changes to the three alleyways that are in North End look at bringing a water feature for example into uh, by uh, Lidl's at Central Park and North End there. So there are bits you can do to try and tidy the area up in regards to the graffiti, fly tipping, which is a problem, particularly in Ashling Lane. Um, there's a graffiti squad the council's got, a tackle graffiti. We regularly have to deal with fly tipping. The difficulty is, is when you remove it, somebody else chooses to dump it back on site again. Um, one of the reasons why we've picked up on a mobile CCTV camera just for Nelson to try and to try and catch the culprits basically so yeah it's it's a big question to try and deal with um rejuvenating smaller shopping areas um and we are, we are trying but there's a little more that we can do fantastic thank you jason um that was precisely to time so well done thank you um and the uh the same question please to amy hi um yeah with the huge changes um to the way people are choosing to shop which the others have already touched on. I think um, my kind of thought about this area is, or these, yeah, these areas is that a lot of what aggrieves people is not only the fly tipping, which is really frustration, uh, frustrating, and um, like the fumes and things like that in the area, but is often just seeing properties that are empty, um, shops that look a mess and aren't being used properly, and there are. Um, things in the area the name escapes me but i think it might be called the learning zone um, in that area where you've got a building that is being purposed really well and also down in fratton i think they have something called made where there's a building which um, has a cafe and arts and crafts and sort of like a charity shop area and it's being run by volunteers and it's just a really powerful thing in the community and i think that there are a few things that we could look to do um, outside of just making it tidier immediately is seeing if we can repurpose some buildings that aren't being used, if they're not going to become shops, can they be something that's more community orientated? Um, is it possible 
to make some of these into housing that is still attractive in keeping with the area. And also I was there more recently and um, I was with Portsmouth Friends of the Earth and they were just on Derby Road um, in front of the spa and they were doing lots of greening, which also the Wilder Corner work on. I think it is possible to make people feel more proud of where they live and to make areas like that greener and to keep encouraging the green agenda that I think all of us want for Portsmouth really. Um, It's been touched on by nearly every person that's spoken this evening that there are opportunities to make the areas we live more beautiful. There's been a strategy by, um, it wasn't just Charlotte, but um, um, Charlotte Gerardo, but I know that she held um, a forum where people could talk about cycling because a lot of the cycling lanes around the area are great. And I think if we can also encourage and better pathways, draw those then remarks to a close. Yeah. That whole sorry, yeah, to sorry it's <laughs> yeah, I mean that whole area could just be, and not just somewhere that we go and shop, but somewhere that we can make more beautiful, we can make greener, and we can make somewhere that we cycle more, so that people feel proud of the area. Thank you very much. Um, and then the same question, uh, please, to Duncan. Hi. Yeah, the um, lockdown seems to have exacerbated the problems of, of the Street area. For example, my the company I bank with reduced their hours to such an extent that as a working adult, I couldn't access banking at the bank in the area, which previously shut down, which therefore means I've got some more journeys to the south of the city to do the same things. Um, so bringing a, back, a bank and banks into North End would be really helpful. However, doing that would be quite difficult and we do need to green area more. It's one of the most dry areas of the city. There's no green cover. So providing green cover would, would be amazing as well. Um, so bringing back what people need into the area would be really helpful because then that would also reduce the number of journeys people make to other parts of the city. So we sort of need, do need to work together to revitalise the North End High Street. Um, it's also a very busy high street. I've been hit, nearly been hit several times as a cyclist as I cycle through the daily basis to and from work. Um, so yeah, very busy area, especially at rush, rush hours which can make it quite dangerous for people to, to do. Um, also working in the area, I've noticed that one side of the road has got bins, but the other hasn't, which will then add to the littering as people can't be bothered to cross the road or take the um, take their litter with them. So extra bins in the area might be handy, for example. Um, bringing in maybe some of the housing to apartment up into North End might be helpful as well. Um, 10 seconds. As an example of something we could do, maybe. Thank you very much, Duncan. Um, right, thank you very much all. Um, if I can uh, just see whether anybody needs to make use of their rebuttal um, at this time, um, can I just implore on you all to um, try to keep uh, to time if you can. Um, I'll start calling out actually earlier in the last 30 seconds of your of your sections. Perhaps I'll give you a bit more of a comfortable time limit to um, wind your remarks to a close. Um, but does anybody want to rebuttal? Uh, can I just or? come back to a point that Amy made, if that's okay? Um, can I just come to... Because um, j- I told Jason right. raise his hand first. So if I can just come to Jason and I'll come back to you, Spencer, if that's all right. 
Yeah, thanks. Uh, it wasn't a point that Amy made, not to disagree with her, but basically just to try and clarify. I think it's a, a, it's sensible what she's suggesting in regards to trying to use some of the empty properties. Difficulty, the, the buildings are obviously owned by different individuals, different companies and such, like some in Portsmouth, some outside of Portsmouth. And the problem is, you know, short of trying to push a compulsory um, purchase through on them, which is probably very unlikely, um, it's, it's up to them what they choose to do with it. Yes, we'd like to see them back in use again, but if someone chooses to close a business for whatever reason or is forced to close a business, um, then, you know, there's not a great deal we can do there. HGV bans, we brought that in some years ago to try and limit the number of vehicles thundering through North End. There is some seal money available for the ward, about 112,000, I think, the latest count. Um, but that's relatively small when you look at what it's trying Ten to seconds. address. But, yeah, there's certainly things that we can do and we try. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. Um, and um, you wanted to do make a rebuttal, um, Spencer. Uh, yeah, just to come back to um, the point um, Amy made about the uh, scheme that Councillor Charlotte Gerardo was involved in. Um, that was along with um, George Fielding as well um, and local businesses in um, Albert Road, Highland Road. Um, I know also um, the Conservative councillors in Cosham um, have been apt to be working on not dissimilar schemes um, and Cosham High Street really is quite bustling and I've, I've spoken to them about some uh, ideas um, for North End. Um, I think it is a shame that there does seem to be a, a lack of um, ideas from the um, Lib Dem councillor team in Nelson. Okay, thank you Spencer. Did uh, Duncan or Amy, uh, are you happy not taking uh, your rebuttals on that question? You're all right. Lovely, thank you. Ian? Yes, yeah, so with the cost of living rising sharply, um, what more do we think the council should be or could be doing for hoping, helping those that are not just about managing anymore? And can I put that first to yourself, Jason? Yeah, thank you. I mean, I took some time before this to look at what the government, sorry, what, what the council actually does in regards to um, assisting people. Um, in a variety of situations. Um, there is, I mean, I'm not going to read it out to you, but there's a 13-page document on the council website which lists, basically under the heading help for people in financial hardship, which lists a whole range of organisations and support that you can get. For the council to promote where people can turn to in regards to seeking benefits, seeking assistance with housing, uh, and I say a whole range of other options, that's primarily one of the greatest things they can do to lead people and steer people into the right direction and assist them. Um, again, clearly a local authority can only do so much. Um, central government assistance is something that we would welcome. Councils are, are hardly awash with money. Um, year after year we face cuts under whatever administration we've had, both locally and nationally. So, um, and where we currently are today with so many demands, we're seeing a huge fuel, crease, fuel increases. Um, energy costs going up, the repercussions from what's happening in the Ukraine, uh, the results of what's happened through the pandemic. I mean, again, consumers, residents, we take hit after hit after hit. Um, and it's clearly at the stage now where food banks are at record numbers uh, and, and people are finding it very difficult to survive. Um, and how often do we hear the phrase, you know, um, do, we, do, we heat, do we eat or do we have heat? You know, um, that's the reality of what we're in. So for a local authority, um, yes. 25 seconds. Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm running out of time. So yes. No, 25, yeah. Oh, 25 seconds, okay, thank you. Um, 
clearly involving other organizations that exist locally and nationally too, those that specifically are there to help those in need. The council works closely with those and I'm sure more councillors do it. Okay, okay, sorry, I'm out of time. Thank you, Jason. And could I ask that question please to Spencer? So it's not just a, a council issue. Um, ultimately, um, this is a much higher up issue. Um, I've been following this week that the government has um, held its first cost of living uh, cabinet um, to try and fast track more ideas. That's on top of um, what we've already seen. Um, but yes, there are huge um, global issues that are putting pressure on the, the rising cost of uh, living, whether that's issues in Ukraine, um, the demand for, for more oil um, as the economies um, across the world recover. Um, following um, the COVID shutdown. Um, pleased to see this week that um, council tax rebates of £150 um, have been going straight back into people's bank accounts. Um, councils um, are required, and for those that aren't paying by direct debit, to get in contact with them and to pay those monies back. And I certainly would encourage any residents that haven't got direct debit set up so won't get those monies immediately back into their bank accounts to keep an eye and follow up if, if those monies aren't received um, back by them. Um, locally, Penny Morden um, MP is funding new food pantries with the proceeds from her book. There's quite a lot um, going on um, locally. Maybe we do need to look at a, a council-based resource or website to tie all of that together. And there is a very good tool on Penny's website that does set out some of the help um, that's available um, so there is a resource there as well for um, Nelson residents. Uh, and finally, it, it's important as well, I think, that seconds. the council is run uh, efficiently so there can be downward pressure um, on council tax also. Thank you, Spencer. And uh, Duncan, what more do you think the council should be doing for those who are struggling with the cost of living? Many, many people are struggling with cost of living. According to the National Education Union, seven thousand, no, I should say, Nearly 7,000 children across Portsmouth North live in poverty. That equates to one in three children in our world, as an average across the Portsmouth North. This figure is pre-cost of living rise, rising. So therefore, as a result, more children are going to be in need, more families are going to be in need, more people are going to be in need of help. Um, £150 really helpful for a lot of families. For example, I know recently that um, Portsmouth City Council provided free school meals to all those entitled. Maybe we should be considering free school meals to all children in primary just to help families out a little bit or extending the scheme some holidays as well. This would help perhaps families. As for everyone else, we need to make sure that the council is run as efficiently as possible go back to my Conservative colleague saying this will really help with the downward pressure in in council tax. Um, it is a global issue, more needs to be done nationally for it as well as locally. We need to do our best to help people as much as we can. We need to reduce our costs. Again, that's very difficult given all the problems facing the city. Thank you. And can I ask that question as well, please, to Amy? Um, yes. Um, my um, 
fellow colleagues here, I mean, you have touched on some things that I might have said. So um, one thing I'll mention is that um, the local Labour councillors have been pushing for a foundation living wage um, for um, making sure that all those who are working in public services, including those that are um, contracted um, out organisations, that people are being um, paid well. And I think this is given so many people that I come across um, in the ward who are working public services, I think this is another way that we can support people. It's not the only one. I mean, there are a number of things that you guys have said that I would agree with. So I'm not going to add too much more to this. I just think we need to keep um, signposting people to places that they can get food if they need it and continue work that is happening. But I mean, this this situation of austerity has been going on for 10 years. We've had food banks for 10 years. I mean, My apologies, just, sorry, yeah, Ian. it's a lot of pressure. Um, um, so would anybody questions. like to use their rebuttal on that question, please? On to yourself, Simon. Okay, lovely. So, um, so our next question is um, the subject of antisocial behaviour uh, comes up regularly um, across the city. What do you believe is the root cause and what more needs to be done to tackle it? And I put that question first, please, to Duncan. Hi. Yeah. Um, antisocial behaviour is again, a wide area. We have drugs and alcohol problems which need to be addressed. Um, those with addictions need help, not criminalisation. So we need to make sure these with addictions get the help they need to try and break that. Um, for teens, we need to work with the teens themselves to provide them with something they want to do. Um, I know the Children's Society recommend that teens and young adults and children are uh, are engaged in their community. This may help overcome antisocial behaviour when their views are taken into account. Maybe we can solve the problem that way rather than try and push the area, uh, problem somewhere else. Um, it might well be a whole city approach rather than just a uh, Nelson thing. I'll uh, leave it there. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much, Duncan. Um, and I'd like to uh, put the same question, please, to Amy. Um, yeah, I would agree with things that Duncan just said that, sorry, things keep popping up on my screen. Um, this is something that just needs to be dealt with really young. I know that people w sort of worry about where different criminals or antisocial behavior is coming from. But I think that there are so many great provisions that we have available. There's um, for, excuse me. Um, my feeling is we just have a problem where there are lots of people who are really, really struggling um, really early on. And I think if families can get support they need through things like Sure Start programs, Home Start, places like the Roberts Center, um, this is, invaluable and we need to keep putting money in at a really early age um, where we know that there is mass poverty and as Duncan said one in three children is living in a household that's considered to be in poverty maybe we do need to see if there's more funding to support food um, food in, like access to food in schools um, and hot meals and just ways to really give parents or guardians the support they need early on 
um, because it is a cyclical thing that goes round and round. And we don't always find where people are poor, there's also antisocial behaviour, but we can give people a really good start. I've worked in youth engagement and education for absolute years and seen massive changes among young people who are engaged with. And I think as well as the great facilities we have in the youth clubs, we do need to try and get them engaged in their community to see other things that they can be involved with. Thank you very much. Okay, and um, the same question, uh, please, to Jason. Thanks. I mean, the question is, what's the specific route? There is no specific route to it. It's a combination of factors that stresses across a whole range of issues. I mean, juvenile gangs spring to mind, but you take into account fly tipping, you take into account dog fouling, you, you take into account all sorts of things that basically impact on people's daily lives. Um, and there are reasons why that happens. People think they can make a quick buck by selling drugs. People think it's funny to smash off people's wing mirrors off their cars. Can't be bothered to pick up after their dog. So it's, it's, it is an educational factor. And I think if I go back and use what might be surprising, Blair's government, when he portrayed education, education, um, as, as being a key factor in trying to make people's awareness of, of various issues and that and that's a good one to go to um, but I think um, it's fundamentally boils down to people understanding and taking accountability for themselves knowing what's the difference between right and wrong as a local authority yeah of course you can take steps we have a community wardens team we have a CCTV system that's pretty impressive we have now a Nelson thanks to us as local councillors the only mobile CCTV for a ward in the city Again, primarily to look at antisocial behaviour and dealing with it. You think my colleagues, if they if they're successful and they're elected, they'll find that becoming um, a councillor, one of the major things you'll deal with is antisocial behaviour on a fairly regular, ongoing basis. Um, the police are the main factor for dealing with it, but you try and cooperate with the police, raise stuff to their awareness, and as as residents feedback to councillors and council officers of where you've got problems and that's when you need to tackle and react to it so things are being done um and but it's a, a situation that plagues us all um but we are certainly working to tackle it and i think we're having some impact but not enough thank you jason and um last uh, but not least spencer please so yeah this is a, a complex issue um and it varies i think across different areas of the, the ward um uh, issues such as social opportunities, social demographics, drugs and alcohol, um, lack of opportunities. Um, we all want to see the end of this, but that's only going to come um, when the tools are there to, to do it. Um, I think there is a lack of um, community wardens tackling these um, issues. Um, residents often comment to me there's never a shortage of parking wardens, but there does seem to be a shortage of um, community wardens. Um, I think there's a role also for uh, community responsibility. Um, Donna Jones, the Police and Crime Commissioner, is getting tough on these issues, uh, which is really welcome. Um, and she's a big proponent of the community's role in assisting the police um, and reporting issues and information they might have um, to help aid the police um, in, in their job. Um, I, I agree with all of the comments in terms of engaging perpetrators and giving people a way out of crime but at the same time I think we need to be careful not to make excuses for criminal behaviour and actually while people should be given an opportunity where they don't take it uh, we need to have proper deterrence and proper um, sentencing and punishment um, for offenders that 
um, persist with this type of behavior and really make a life misery for others. Thank you very much. Um, Spencer, so did anybody want to make use of their rebuttal on that one at all? Okay, thank you very much. Um, so as we are running quite closely out of time, uh, what I would suggest is that we um, we limit the answers on the next question to 60 seconds, please, um, in order to be able to at least get this one last question in. So with uh, Nelson being right next to the M275 um, and the International uh, Ferry Port, um, what can be done to improve the air quality for Nelson uh, residents? Uh, so our apologies for the confusion there. And can I put that question first, please, to Jason? Yeah, a great deal can be done and a great deal is being done. I think you look at, touch on several factors. The ferry port obviously is a major um, employer there and a, a, a great boon to the local authority. I think it's the only local authority owned ferry port in, in the UK. Um, the steps that they're taking in regards to becoming carbon neutral by 2030 um, readily available to see either on the website um, pick up plenty of information on that um, and the ships that obviously use it uh, there's a change obviously because there's legislation on them as well to improve um, you've got the clean air zone that's been introduced in Portsmouth again introduced by government um, as it will be to all local authorities um, so uh, that's trying to I, mean, so I think over 50 over 50% of our um, air pollution is caused by vehicles. Um, we have created a cabinet change climate post as a portfolio holder, a specific council officer that's come in to take over. And, and the good news to Crumit is we've seconds. won over £54 million from central government for a transformation of the bus service in Portsmouth. There's not enough time for me to touch on what it is, but go to the council website and you can see this is a significant move um, for Portsmouth and the way that the buses and the infrastructure for public transport will work. So. Uh um, thank you. Thank you, Jason. That's time. Um, and um, my apologies for having to shorten that one. And the same uh, question, please, to Amy. Yeah, I think there are things that can be done. Um, I mean, already the um, port has done quite a lot to reduce its um, carbon footprint. Um, it runs largely on solar panels, but also one of my colleagues, um, Councillor Judith, um, Smith, she has um, been working to get shore power there so that when we have um, ships coming in, um, they, they're able to turn off their en engines and stay there. And I think this would make a big difference to the area. I think also um, we can just look at, maybe it's smaller, but things that we can do in terms of just greening the areas that we have, looking at projects like Living Streets, which are already doing really well down in the south um, and in some of the southern areas. There are things that we can do. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, Amy, and the same question, please, to Duncan. Um, I consulted a marine engineer friend of mine, the ships in the port. It would be a great idea to have them be able to hook up to shoreside power as soon as possible, very quickly. And that would save 40% of air pollution in the Rudball Roundabout area. Um, clean air zone is too small. As I said, my son and myself are both asthmatic, exacerbated by air pollution. The original clean air zone was to include Kingston Crescent, Kingston Road, Fratton Road, and some other areas. That needs to be expanded to include those. These are areas that affect people's health massively. Uh, my colleague, Tim Sherman Chase, has been campaigning on this for as long as I've known him. 15 um, seconds. Yeah, so living streets. 
this would be a great idea. But again, the roads need to be clearer and safer for people to move around and children to school. Um, so a lot be done, a lot more needs to be done to protect people's health. This would then reduce the burden on the NHS, on Queen Alexandra Hospital. Um, these are things we can do. That's time. Thank you, Duncan. Thank you, Duncan. Um, and lastly, to Spencer, please. Thank you. I'll, I'll keep it um, brief. Um, absolutely. Um, International Ferry Port is great. It's going to be a huge part of the um, city's future. Um, it's really um, pleasing to hear um, Jason speaking so positively about those Conservative-led initiatives of the Clear Air Zone and that huge £48 million um, investment um, from the government nationally um, into the bus service in Portsmouth, which is, is going to help um, reduce pollution in the city. Um, I'm a bit more um, cautious in terms of um, expanding the clear air zone, and that needs to be um, the clean air zone. And that needs to be looked at quite carefully because we need to be careful of any unforeseen consequences in terms of um, additional costs for people, for example, getting taxis or dissuading um, HGVs delivering goods that we all need and possibly adding um, additional costs for people in the city. So that needs to, to be looked at carefully. Thank you, Spencer. Um, that's time. Was there anybody um, that was absolutely desperate to have a rebuttal on that one? Excellent. Thank you very much. Oh, being a, an excellent answer at this point. So thank you to all the candidates. Um, thank you for giving us such, a, such very comprehensive answers. We now need to invite you to make your closing addresses. You have 60 seconds, but obviously if you can keep it concise as to, to why the good people of Portsmouth should be voting for you on May the 5th. And can I ask that first to Amy, please? Hi, yeah, I think that um, people should consider voting for me um, because um, I work um, I work in healthcare, I've worked in education for years. A lot of the concerns that people have um, with antisocial behavior are things that I have experience with. And also um, I have a real Kind of empathy and experience of growing up in an area of poverty and facing a lot of the struggles that people have here. Um, I think it's been probably a while since we've had um, labour in the area, so it is quite good to mix things up. And I'm an ex extremely kind of diligent, conscientious person. I research things carefully and I've had a relatively short time to actually get to go out in the ward, but I've learned a great deal already. So, and yeah, and we have a massively green agenda. I'm really passionate about that kind of thing and, and Labour are very focused on trying to green the area as well. Thank you. Thank you, Amy. So, Spencer, could we have your closing address, please? So, as you've heard earlier from me, I've already delivered some really good outcomes um, for the residents in the ward. Um, and I hope to get your vote on the 5th of May to help support me continuing um, to do that. I've got fresh ideas and enthusiasm. Um, as a representative for Nelson, I'd be active, uh, visible across the ward, in close contact um, with um, residents and the, the council that they deserve. Um, your priorities are uh, my priorities. Um, uh, this is the final hustings um, of the year, so I'd just like on behalf of myself and my Conservative colleagues to thank you, Ian and Simon, for the, the time you've put into and producing the podcast and, and getting everybody involved. Thank you, sir. We would let you have an extra few seconds for that one. But, uh, <laughs> Should uh, have mentioned it earlier. Thank you. <laughs> no worries. Um, 
could I uh, invite you, uh, Jason, to make your closing remarks, please? Yeah, again, my thanks for organising it and thanks to the people that have taken the time to watch it. Um, I've, I was born in the ward, I live in the ward. As I say, I've represented the ward for 23 years out of the last 27. Um, in regards to visibility, well, I'm visible in the ward every day, I'm living it. And quite often, myself, Councillor Madden, Councillor Hunt, we'll, we'll bump into residents through when we're delivering whatever we're doing. Um, and a, a benefit of having represented people for such a long period of time is we know a considerable number of them. Um, I can only ask them, you know, you've had experience with me over 23 years. If you like what you've seen, then I hope you will continue to endorse me so I can continue to represent me. To my fellow candidates, I'll, I wish you all good luck. Maybe not quite the best of luck, but I, I hope you will come join the second. But thank you anyway. So I can offer, I offer myself up to the electorate and hope, and hope that they'll support me. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. And last but by no means least, Duncan, can we have your closing remarks, please? Hi, yeah, I live and I work in the ward. I have worked in the ward years. Um, Portsmouth is great to live. Nelson, I love working here. I love living here. My children love using the parks here. I want to see a greener Portsmouth. And I am the green candidate for Nelson. Um, so many issues need to be tackled, and I believe I will do my best to help people tackle the needs they have and achieve their best. Perfect. Duncan, thank you very much. So thank you to all of the candidates. Um, and uh, yeah, Simon and I would uh, would like to wish you all the best for the rest of your campaign. Um, Simon, anything to add? Um, so just to um, just to reiterate um, that our, this is our um, last hustings of the season, but thank you very much for all of our candidates today and indeed all of the candidates uh, from the other parties that have attended the other hustings um, and indeed the candidates that had said they were available for other wards, um, but where sadly we couldn't get at least one other candidate um, in their ward uh, to agree a hustings date with us. Um, please do join us at 6.27 on uh, Sunday where Ian and I will be predicting the outcome of next Thursday's vote. Um, and then the following Sunday, we'll be getting together to discuss how hor horrendously wrong we were. Um, so uh, do feel free to uh, join us at 6.27 um, this Sunday. Um, but thank you very much. You've been listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I've been Ian Tiny Morris. And our guests have been um, Amy Gwyther, the uh, Labour candidate for Nelson, and uh, Jason Fazakli, the Lib Dem candidate for Nelson, um, Spencer Gardner, the Conservative candidate, and uh, Duncan Robinson, the Green candidate. Um, and I've been Simon Sansbury. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. If you want to make sure you get notifications about upcoming shows and get to know when we're live, we normally broadcast live 6.27pm on a Sunday evening, then follow us on Facebook at Pompey Politics Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Pompey Politics One. Please, if you'd like to, feel free to leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and you can even ask Alexa to play the podcast for you. Alexa. Play the latest episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. Getting Pompey Politics Podcast from Amazon Music. Alexa. Playing the latest episode. Stop. See? It's easy. <laughs>